0: Call in at 303 690 3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. It's so good to be back with you live in studio. My name is Ed Taylor. I've been away for a week. It seems like it was longer, actually, but it was just a week. I was in Newark, New Jersey. And all places surrounding Newark, New Jersey, serving with the Rock Church in Newark, serving up at Hudson Valley in Poughkeepsie, serving, uh, ministering. I didn't serve there, but I was uh, connecting with Pastor Eddie up in Milford, Pennsylvania. Uh, and then we were back with um, Pastor Jim Kevney in uh, Dover, Morris Hills, and then meeting with pastors all throughout the area. It was a great, full, a week came back a little tired and a little under the weather, but the Lord is faithful uh, and he is our strength and I'm coming back to you live today, of course, unless this is broadcast as a encore um, but not today not being not not as it's being delivered right now. I want to welcome everyone on the grace f M radio network and the radio by grace uh, networks you're listening live and hope f m and truth f m and Higher Rock, you guys are listening to this One Week Delayed. I want to invite you, join me on the program. You can do that two ways. You can text me at 720-336-0897, or you can call me, 303 690 and that's how the show works. This is the show where we take your calls and questions, we pray together, encourage one another in the Lord, talk about the things of God with an open Bible, the only place uh, that true answers come from. It's not your opinion, not my opinion. It's not even your opinion or my opinion about the Scriptures that is true wisdom, or your interpretation, my interpretation. doesn't matter. What is the truth, and can we get to the truth, or can we get as close to the truth as possible, knowing that None of us are God, so we're not going to have every answer 100%, but we are going to grow in grace together, and the Holy Spirit's going to lead us and affirm to us what His Word says, and I'd love to talk to you. 303 690 303-690-3000, or text me, 720-336-0897. Let me pull up my text line here, make sure I got it all in order. Would love to have you. We're going to be back in God's Word tonight in the book of Genesis. I entitled our message tonight, There's Something About Sarah. And I, in my studying for this particular message, I found something about Sarai, or we refer to her as Sarah. And I found something very interesting in the Hebrew language that I want to share with you tonight. I will not share it on the show, but it will be a part of our Bible study tonight, and I thought it was fascinating. All these years I have studied, and this never jumped out uh, at, I'm sure I've seen it before, Uh, I'm sure that I have, I'm going to even check right now, I didn't do this, but I'm going to check in my Bible that I've used since I was a new believer and see if I even circled the word, uh, because I may have and just forgot, that's... A lot of that's been happening for sure. Um, Maybe you feel the same way. I just want to see if I ever noticed this word before. Give me a call. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. And no, I never looked at that word. It's not circled in my Bible. So I'm going to share it with you tonight. And I look forward to being together. We meet here at Calvary uh, in person. And we have very close to the time that we were told to close. We opened up pretty quickly after that. Uh, We've been in person all this time. Or you can meet us online, no matter where you are. Uh, Service time, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So that means 9 o'clock on the East Coast, uh, 6 o'clock on the West Coast. And then you can pick, we're in the Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. tonight. We come together for worship, prayer, uh, fellowship, study of God's Word. So good. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Here's a great text question: Is there any significance to saying "Amen, Amen" after you pray? That's a great question. I think it's important that we realize uh, what "Amen" actually means. Uh, the definition of that word means "Let it be so" or "So be it," uh, and it is. There is a Hebrew and a he, There is a Hebrew Old Testament and a Greek New Testament equivalent, and most of the uses in the Old Testament is in Deuteronomy. But it's basically agreeing to what has been said. That's and it's become a, like a ritual of closing your prayer, um, and it just it's 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 a, your affirmation um, to what is being said. And you are basically agreeing um, with what's being said. You're affirming it. uh, And as you're praying according to the will of God, um, you're asking God to let it be so. And I agree with this, and I commit it to you. So yeah, there is significance to it. Uh, It is a word that has meaning, and we are praying with that, um, with that meaning. 303-690-3000. Over to New Mexico, Clovis, New Mexico. Logan, welcome to the program.
4: Yes, sir. Hello. Hello. I'm the guy that says like all the time.
3: Yeah, what's going on, Logan?
4: I heard heard myself on the radio, and I was like, man, I say like way too much. But anyway... What's up? It's about, like, did they do communion in the Old Testament, and... I had a brother. He texted me this morning. He told me to stay in communion with God, and I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it—not uh, ritualistically, but heartily.
3: Okay, so there's there's a little bit of a problem with your phone because you're cutting in and out. So your your question uh, is is about communion. Yes, sir. And then what's let's just like go to the question first and see if I can answer it.
4: Okay. Was it in the Old Testament? No. Or, okay, not at all. Okay. No, what was because in the there Old Testament? No body to be broken. Yeah. All
3: right, all right. What what was in the Old Testament was the Passover meal. Okay. And while the Passover meal did always speak of the broken body and the shed blood of Christ, communion is a commemorative time where we look backwards. So communion as instituted by Jesus did not exist in the Old Testament because communion is centered about Jesus, whereas the Passover meal is filled with typology of the coming Messiah. But the way that we understand communion today as instructed by Jesus did not exist until Jesus came on the scene. Uh, So I guess technically, if you want to be hyper-technical about it, that final Passover meal and the institution and the instruction of communion uh, by Jesus did happen, Old Covenant, because Jesus hadn't died and risen again. You know, he hadn't; the resurrection hadn't happened. But uh, in a very generic sense, no. That w- what you find in communion is specifically looking back on the uh, finished work of Christ.
4: Gotcha. So I had a brother. He texted me to stay in communion with. With the lord and i just wanted to make sure like is that when you break covenant on your own by sinning and not repenting
3: well again you your phone cut out on what your friend said can you say that okay. one more time you what you would your, what'd your he, friend tell you
4: he just said to stay in communion with the lord this morning and to kind of keep your head up
3: okay so it's probably an instruction to abide in christ Okay. And stay close to Him, not referring to the official communion meal or remembrance. It sounds like communion—that general word means to be in unity, to come together. Right. So He's okay. just probably telling you, encouraging you, stay close to God today. Um, you know, be in the Word and prayer. You know, stay intimate with God. Right.
4: Okay. I was like, man, I hope I'm not doing nothing wrong, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, it sounds like he was okay. just
3: encouraging you.
4: Okay, good. I knew he was. I just I wanted to get a clarification, and I wanted to be like, why are you texting me this? I know he means well.
3: Yeah. He's probably okay. just trying to encourage you, using Bible yeah, words. Sir. All right, man. All God right. bless you, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Text question coming in. We have open lines. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Wide open lines available to you, 303-690-3000. Hey, Pastor Ed, I think you may have missed it when you answered this the first time, but what was the purpose of God putting the tree of knowledge of guard, in the Garden of Eden if it was something that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to touch? That's a great question. I think it's a lot simpler than you may think. And, I, and you may not even like the answer necessarily, but I believe it's the answer. Why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden? Because he's God. And he has the what I like to call, and its theologians use the same phrase, the divine prerogative to put anything into the garden that he wanted at any time for his own divine reasons. So it has nothing to do with Adam and Eve. First and foremost, the primary reason God put that tree in the garden was for his own purposes, and we see that he used that tree, he used that as an opportunity to lay before Adam and Eve a choice so that their choice would be for their own benefit in the worship of God. Now, I, I get your question, would it have not been easier to not have that temptation there to start with? And I would say, no, it would not have been easier. And what I mean by that is that if there was no temptation or there was no prohibi- prohibition, uh, there was no alternative, then God would have, you know, that would have made Adam and Eve, you know, robotic. And they only had the choice to worship God. And they had no alternative, so there was a genuine love toward God by resisting that temptation. But really, think about this: temptations are easily overcome when they're not when they're not uh, chosen. So you know, when you're abiding in Christ, you're untouchable by temptation. But you want to dabble in the world, you want to mess around, you want to compromise, you want to mess around in gray areas that may not be a sin in and of themselves, but, you know, you want to hang out at the bar, you want to go to a dance club, you want to, you know, you want to put yourself in temptation's way and you want to be in that, you know, like I was sharing with the team this morning in our devos or our discipleship, like, don't don't underestimate the Bible's teachings that if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap it. Uh, and And so I think that I do understand your question, and I guess to some degree maybe it was easier, but really god it was God's prerogative and he used what his creative power and what he created in order to bring draw out from Adam and Eve their need for utter dependence and the fact that man the the temptation you know the the issues of the devil coming in and undermining I mean really, if you think about the temptation, it wasn't the tree, it was the devil taking advantage of the weakness of Adam and Eve's humanity, and then questioning the goodness of God. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. We're going to come back to line one. Julia, welcome to the program.
5: Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Sorry, I'm in my car, so I hope it's not too noisy. It's not. Okay, perfect. Um, I was very blessed to be introduced to some Jehovah Witnesses at a train station one day. Okay. Um, and I just... I want to pray for them, All right. One, and then I would like some advice on the best ways to witness to them.
3: Okay, the best way to witness to Jehovah Witnesses is to validate their humanity, validate their willingness to worship and their desire to worship, and to understand the Scriptures, because they don't really understand the Scriptures. They do don't know how to use the Bible because they're taught not to not to use the Bible, but to use the teaching of the Watchtower Society. And that's all they pay attention to. So that when you use the Word of God in their lives, the Holy Spirit activates the Word of God to bring about conviction to them. But I was reminded, you know, when I think of the Jehovah Witnesses or any aberrant teacher teaching or people that follow that, I was remembering that time in Acts 17 um, where Paul is on Mars Hill there, and he's looking at all the idolatry and all the, the the various false teachings and false worship there, and and he says he says um, in Acts seventeen, I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. So that's how he leads. He says, you know, I see you guys are very worshipable people. It's very evident because you got all these little idols, but I see that, and he, and he says, I found this altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So I just want to take the opportunity to explain to you guys who this unknown God is. And he began to share the reality and the truthfulness of God. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the apologetics and so caught up uh, in winning the argument that we forget we're speaking to human beings that are separated from God. Not only are they se- excuse me, separated from God, but they're s- deceived into thinking they're not. And so they're in a very bad place, and I want to recommend a resource to you that will equip you, the best number one resource on equipping you to speak directly with the Jehovah Witnesses. You ready? Or you're in the car, but you can remember this. It's Reasoning from the Scriptures with Jehovah Witnesses by Ron Rhodes. And so if you just went to uh, your wherever you get books and put in the word Jehovah Witnesses and Rhodes R H O D E S. His books will pop up. The best book ever written, in my opinion, on how to to, to take the Word of God and not only uh, understand it, but direct it toward the false beliefs beliefs of a Jehovah Witnesses a Jehovah Witness without offending them. Right. Yeah, and
5: I did notice like one of the things that I was talking to them about because um, they. They really don't like looking at other translations. Right. So I found Melissa Daughtry on YouTube, and she has a whole series on uh, how to, like, witness to them and everything. And uh, we were talking about because they don't believe in God, they don't believe Jesus is God. Um, and so that's kind of what we were addressing. And one of the things they were having trouble with was the fact that God would lower himself and humble himself into a human um, and that really put me in like, oh, that's so sad, you know, that they don't believe that they have a God that's so graceful. But then I do get carried away in like the verses and everything, you know?
3: Yes. Well, and I think it's, I think if you approach um, a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon or uh, anyone that has twisted beliefs about who Jesus is, just as you would approach anyone with, without being offended or without being overwhelmed or without this goal like for example, if you saw a friend, okay so let's just say you have a, a good friend uh, and you saw them in some kind of behavior that they needed to change. and you go back years. how are you gonna how are you gonna step into their life? Tell me how you do that. By
5: talking with them and being a friend to them
3: you uh, yeah i think you would right i mean just think about it think don't give in the name because we don't want there's nothing wrong with your friends but just think of your best friend and they've got into something and you know it's bad they know it's bad and they're convinced it's not and you're wrong but you still love them you're going to step into their life and you're going to you you're not going to overreact I mean, you're, you're going to, you're going to step in to see where you, you're going to step in with love to get to know them. You're going to step in with love, speaking the truth, but like you're, you're at the same time, you're not going to overreact. You're not going to, you're not going to have a conversation where they don't want to talk to you anymore, right? Because if you can't convince them the first one, you're going to try a second time and a third time. And, and I think that if you approach it that way, even though you don't have the history with someone but you approach it that way where I'm not trying to alienate you, I'm not trying to offend you, I'm not but what I am trying to do is have a real conversation with you and you lead with love. The Holy Spirit's with you. Right. And another visual thing that I use if if I remember, I don't always remember this. I'm I, like I sometimes when I give answers, I don't want anybody to think I hit I do it right all the time. I don't do it right all the time, but here's a goal of mine. Is when I have a difficult conversation, I try to picture a table between us. I try to picture a table between me and the person, and I I no longer talk at them because that's how arguments are. We're just trying to make our point, make our point, make our point, make our point. They're trying to make their point. Defensiveness and it leads to nowhere. Instead, I think of a table, and I just lay I, my my thought is I want to lay something down in front of them and make it make it so attractive to them that they pick it up. I think there's even a phrase there. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? There, somebody co-opted my idea um, and made it a real popular phrase today. But a, a difficult conversation, I really want them to hear me. And I don't want to be offended if they disagree with me. I, I want to accept that they disagree with me. But that just makes, means I need to refine what I'm saying. Um, and I just think with the Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and again, don't anybody interpret what I just said as compromising truth or letting them get away with lies or—no way. I'm not, I'm not advocating any of that. But I do know that—so people just go after Jehovah's Witnesses. They just go after them. How can you believe this? What's your—and forget that it's love that—don't that. that it, it, don't you know it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance? And And I think when you're well-equipped and you give good, sound answers— that's the thing about wrong roads. One of the things he's added to my life is that he he c- teaches you how to ask these questions that will stick with these guys when they go home, right? Because they they're probably not going to be converted in your presence. Very rarely does that happen. It has happened, but very rarely. But when right. you when you send them home with a question they've never heard before or never heard it that way before, they they no doubt will either be forced in their own humanity to wrestle with that question, or it gives the Holy Spirit something to draw out of them in bringing repentance. And so be equipped, lead with love. That's my answer.
5: Okay, thank
3: you. You're welcome. I uh, If we
5: could pray for them too, that'd be awesome.
3: All right, Father, I pray for this. They always go two by two, Lord, so I pray for these uh, two Jehovah Witnesses, and by way of extension, the many that are around our neighborhoods, and now as we saw sending us mail, I don't know how they got our name, but they're sending us mail and tracks uh, because they don't go door to door right now during with the pandemic and such. So I I just pray that this was a divine appointment with Julie, and I pray you'd use her, uh, equip her, and equip her, and also lead her by your love. That this this uh, Jehovah witness, these two Jehovah witnesses, would receive the truth, wrestle with it, and bring it to you, knowing you as the you through the Holy Spirit, God you as the Holy Spirit, God, will bring about conviction of sin and draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you
5: so much,
3: Ed. God bless you. Bye-bye.
5: Bye-bye.
3: All right, interesting text question. I can't, I'm can't. i not going to go on to the next call without this text question. I thought this is very interesting, and it's good that you texted it. I just finished Pastor Doug Wilson's audiobook called Get the Girl. In it, he talks about Christian men should be sexually attracted to their partner or potential partner. So let me, before I even get to your question, let me just say, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's leading the right way. I don't believe it is biblical to make that a a criteria in relationships, number one. How does it God want us to look at partners sexually without falling into sinful temptation? God doesn't want you looking at partners sexually. He doesn't want you lusting after anyone other than your wife or husband. Period. Period. The you 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 hit it on the head with your question. He doesn't want you uh looking at 30 people sexually to see who you're compatible with. That's nonsense. And I don't know this brother and and you know I didn't read his book, so I don't know fully what he said. So but I don't like this. I don't even like the inference of it. Sexual intimacy is only one part of deep relationship. Intimacy in and of itself grows over time. Intimacy emotionally, intimacy spiritually, intimacy physically. Intimacy is something God gives within the covenant of marriage. It is to be developed in marriage it's not to be tested prior to marriage, not even tested in your mind. Now there is something to be said about attraction being attracted. there is something to be said about um, liking someone before you marry them but I don't like this concept at all I've I quite frankly it's a, it, it, for some reason it seems like the first time I've ever seen heard something like this and I don't like it. And I don't think you can make a biblical argument for it, but just by way of your own question, you get it, you see it that way too. How does God want us to look at partners sexually? He doesn't. Well, necessarily partners, I mean, I would say marriage partner, yes, exclusively, but potential, you know, potential fian- fiancés, like um, boyfriend and girlfriend, like that, you you don't even want to awaken that, even though it may naturally happen. Like so, like I think it's there's a it's not a test for relationship, but there may be a natural attraction. There there may be great temptation uh, in this area for fiancés, uh, where even as we go through premarital, we te- we we lead you down a path to be careful with one another, um, to create environments where you can honor uh, your spouse and. You know, the idea of being a fiancé, you know, where you have a covenant um, of going forward of, of being married and there's a good chance of being married, you don't entertain these thoughts, but you don't deny them either. You pray through them and, and express um, your desire of, of love uh, and concern and care for one another, but you, you don't want you, you to dwell on the areas of, of sexual attraction and lust outside of marriage. It's disastrous. Um, so I'm not sure what the point of this guy's book is. Uh, he may make a compelling point, you know, different than just a text, so I don't want to completely throw it out, but, you know, you don't. You don't entertain those things. That's something that God has reserved for, for marriage. Um, it's not reserved to the imagination and the uh, outside of marriage, period. It's disastrous, whether it's your spouse or it's someone else or you're flipping through Instagram or TikTok or or whatever. And you know, maybe I maybe this one, maybe that one, maybe that, no, 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 no. Uh, don't don't flee. Uh let me let me just read to the scriptures and not give you my opinion. Um this is a verse that I memorized very early uh, as a believer. Um and here here's here's the line that's drawn. You ready? First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen. Flee. Sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside the body, but he commits sexual immorality, sins against his own body. And lusting after uh, someone that is not your spouse, sexual sin. And you're to run away from it, not test it out or entertain it. 303 Coming back to Denver now. Jackie, welcome to the program.
6: Hi. First of all, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your truth in that last um, text message of a single. That is just um, awesome. So I thank you for sharing that.
3: You are welcome. Let me pause, Jackie. I didn't pay attention to the time. I only have okay. one minute, so I'm going to put you back on hold. You'll be the first one after the break, okay? Okay, you. Okay, hold on. You're listening to Calvary Live, and I apologize, I didn't look at the time properly, but we're right up on a break, our only break of the show. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. That's the number. We have one open line, 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Ed Taylor. You can find everything related to the ministry here at my website, edtaylor.org. You can connect with me, email me, read blog posts, connect with the church. Our radio program on and on the list goes edtaylor.org. We'll be right back in just a few.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome back, everyone. Glad that you chose to join us this afternoon. Live radio. Uh, live radio that's surrounding Jesus, not politics. Isn't that great? Jesus is the center of our conversation and his word in our lives. So glad that you chose to join us. You tune in to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. That's my website as well, edtaylor.org. It's gotta be .org. Do not go to .com. A professional Santa Claus owns that domain, and he's not selling it for less than multi-thousands of dollars. So Santa's not very generous He's not as generous as people make him out to, the, to be. <laughs> so edtaylor.org, taking your calls and your questions. Shout out to everyone on the Grace FM radio network up and down the front range here in Colorado, uh, Wyoming, and even some parts of Nebraska. Uh, we're glad that you joined us. And then, of course, you guys on the Radio by Grace network all around the country, you're listening live. And our friends on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you guys are listening to this one week delayed. Uh, but all that means is when you call the show, you get a you get a live host. We'll talk on the air. Some people hear it live. You can tune in next week and hear yourself on the radio. We're gonna get right back to the phone line because we missed the time on there. Jackie and Denver, welcome back.
6: Hi, thank you. You're I welcome. Just wanted to know, I'm starting a prayer group okay. for prodigals in my church, and I was wondering if—I was reading in Acts 2 today about them breaking bread, and um, they broke bread in their homes as they gather together. I'm just wondering, can we have communion before we pray for people? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, there's about 10 of us and yeah. I just I, I felt prompted that that would just really unite and get us prepared for hearing all the prayer
1: requests.
3: And you can you can I would even add this, you can stay re, stay and remain open to the Holy Spirit. and one week you may do it before. Another week you might do it in the middle. Another week you might do it at uh, have communion together at the end. Um, just so it doesn't become routine if you feel like the Holy Spirit wants to, to change it up. Um, But I think that, unfortunately, formalized man-made religion has made communion something that I don't believe Jesus ever intended. Jesus was very—it was very simple. It was a regular meal. It it was a regular Passover meal that was shared, uh, that he took the bread and the cup and then instructed, and the only instructions he gave wasn't on frequency— he didn't say how often or even how to. He just said, whenever you break the bread, I want you to remember me. And whenever you drink of this cup, I want you to remember my new covenant. And I think formalized religion now puts the, the wafer in the hand of a priest and you can't have it unless you're perfectly—it's conf- all—they they've ruined it.
0: Mm-hmm. They've ruined
3: it because Jesus never intended it to be such a ritual where you feel condemned and beat up because you're not perfect— but rather he intended it for us to always and in some demonstrative way remember his broken body for us. What a great way to begin prayer, to remember Mm -hmm. and come in humble and broken Mm -hmm. and appreciated. So, yes, you absolutely can have communion together before you guys start praying.
6: Okay, thank you so much. And would you pray for this team, please?
3: Sure. Can you tell me the topic of it again?
6: It's for prodigal. Yes,
3: okay. Father, I pray for Jackie... Um, as she gathers together with parents who are broken, desperate desperately broken-hearted over their kids that have fallen away, that are wandering, that have no desire for the things of God, that are deconstructing, that are influenced by pop culture or the way things are a thousand things. And I just pray for this group, God, that you would comfort them. I just think of their heart, their broken heartedness and the sorrow that's in such a group, and what a way to enter into sorrow, but by remembering the great sorrow that you express for us, Jesus, the great sacrifice, that we would never forget, God, what what pit you pulled us out of, how faithful you are to us. So bless this group, Lord, and let it be smaller and smaller You know, as the kids come home. We pray that by faith in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: Amen. Thank
3: you so much. You're welcome, Jackie. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's kind of a, I felt pray, you know, by faith that that the group was smaller, but man, this is, we're just seeing more and more people walk away. But I know a dad who's within eyesight that watched his prodigal come home. I'm looking at him right now, and we're grateful because the brother is a blessing to us, but it's hard. It's challenging, and um, so I'm grateful. So, just so you know, Jackie, I'm looking someone eye to eye. There's only two of us in the studio, and I'm looking at one eye to eye. His dad came, or his son came home, and where sons and daughters do come home, true. I believe this, according to the words of Jesus. True prodigals do come home, and that's what we pray. All right, let's move on to Aurora, Colorado. Sarah, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Dr. Ed. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I had two prayer requests for you. Um, The first one was for um, just guidance and wisdom with potentially moving out of state. Um, My um, husband and my my kids and I did a a weekend trip out of state to check out the area and see if we liked it, if it might be an area we liked. And we came home and we're feeling conflicted of, Mm. you know, we could go, we could stay, we're not really sure, but... um, we're not still not really sure we were hoping that this would kind of give us more direction of yes or no we're supposed to leave yes and um sorry the second part is i I have a little one-year-old and i I just am asking for prayer to be able to have the strength to be a good mom to them okay i'm feeling so much pressure to just I'm very hyper-aware that they, they watch every single thing I say and do. Yes. And that pressure of better not screw up is <laughs> just weighing heavily on me Of making sure that I'm modeling everything I do is modeling how I want them to be. Yeah.
3: Well, I, I can understand that pressure. I I would just speak into your life that you're putting too much pressure on yourself, and I think it's partly the way the world is, and everyone seems to be perfect parents but us. Um, and wanting to do the right, you know, you have the right motive. I look back, I've raised my children into adulthood and I certainly wish I, I, you know, I wish, um, if I could do it all over again, I got so much more wisdom now than when they were younger. Uh, and I definitely would do things differently. Absolutely. Um, 100%. However, at the same time, God even used my mistakes and used my failures as a dad to make my kids the, the, the men and, and young woman that they are today. And every parent has regrets. And, and I would just encourage you, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, be yourself. Be yourself fully in the Lord as a mom. Be yourself with all your faults and your failures. You know, one of the things I did uh, that I learned with my kids that never happened with my parents, I can't recall a time... I'm not saying it didn't happen but I really never can recall a time where my parents apologized to me for failures that they made in my life or or the things that that happened you know especially my mom and you know one of the things the lord gave me as a christian dad was to get down on my knees look my kids in the eyes and ask for their forgiveness for whatever you know if I lost it I got mad at them I mean I remember a time as a new believer that my wife was away at a retreat, at a women's retreat. We were brand new believers, and my boys, we didn't have a daughter even yet, and my boys were back in the back room of the apartment fighting and, you know, being boys. They were absolutely doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. But I don't know. It was a spiritual warfare, partly, but my personal choice was to get angry with them. And I got so angry that I i, I slapped the plastic—we uh, had this very expensive plastic— um, vacuum and I broke the handle off and it scared the heck out of the kids. You know, they stopped fighting, but primarily because they were scared. Then I had to explain that to my wife coming. That was one of the first things. What in the world happened while I was gone? Why'd you get so angry? You know, and, and I just remember, and that's an episode stuck in my mind that, man, I wish that never happened. I was such a bad example to my boys, but you know, the Lord even worked out those sinful mistakes and it taught me humility and it taught me about my anger that it needed to be dealt with before the Lord. And that pressure you're feeling, there, there is a responsibility, and that's true. But we want to be careful not to put on extra pressure upon ourselves, because you just won't be a, a perfect parent. You just got to hear it from me. You will not be a perfect parent. But you know, you're not going to raise perfect kids either, are you? Uh, we, we get to grow in grace together. And I know you're feeling the pressure about moving and a little bit of the division in your home, but I know as you guys pray through this, you're going to get through this season and you're going to be exactly the mom that God wants you to be because your sensitivity to the spirit is what you want to feed. And any mistakes you make along the way, just be quick to correct them. You know, be quick to, you know, don't have any known sin in your life. Deal with the things that are obvious, right? Don't, Don't have any known sin in your life. Um, that you try to hide or, you know, it's one of the things that we did in our home as a parents too, is that, you know, we, we early on, like, we're like, you know what, if it's not good for the kids, it's not good for us. And that's how we try. We weren't perfect that. I mean, geez, you could, if Marie was here on the other microphone, she'd tell you, we weren't perfect parents. We still aren't perfect parents, but our heart is for the Lord. We want our kids' hearts to be for the Lord. And, and I know I hear that in you too. And. If you put all this pressure, and this is my final word on this, if you keep putting all this pressure on yourself, you won't enjoy your kids. You'll be too worried about trying to be perfect, and you just won't enjoy your kids, all the faults and failures. And they won't enjoy you either, because you'll be all freaked out all the time. Yeah,
1: I'm already
2: there.
3: I know. You know let me recommend a book to you I wish I would have gotten earlier. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's called Grace-Based Parenting. Grace... Mm-hmm based parenting. I think the guy's name is Kimmel. Okay. And in the beginning, just the beginning of that book was so helpful because it gave all these different parenting styles. And I know early on my parenting style was fear. I was so fearful that my kids would turn out as bad or worse than me. Especially my son Eddie, he's the one that got most of the um he's our youngest, born to us as unbelievers teenagers and then we got saved and i was so afraid he'd become a rotten evil sinner like me and and i was i made all my decisions based on fear don't do this don't do that what will do with my kid and and instead of grace and just extending grace and creating an atmosphere of grace that makes room for failures and mistakes and freedom and we talk through things and we pray through things and i really think it'll it'll sow seeds of hope in your heart and relieve some of this pressure i really believe that Okay. And our kids made it. As imperfect parents as Marie and I are, uh, Marie's a much better parent than me. Uh, as imperfect parents as we are, our kids made it, and they love the Lord.
1: Well, that's what I want more than anything, is when <laughs> to get them to that point and make that decision and... I want I want to get them to the point where they, when they're old enough that they can make that decision for themselves, and it won't be a case of you won't. taking years and years and years to figure out what they want in their life and if they're going to follow Jesus or not.
3: Well, and here's the thing, okay? So I think many other parents are listening, in. that's why I'm spending a little extra time on this. You can raise them in the way they should go, and they can still choose to reject Jesus. You have to understand that. And that's not going to be a reflection on your parenting. I know it'll feel that way. And I know we'll start thinking of all the failures we did and all the mistakes we made. And I didn't go to church that time, and I got angry that time. I know, but you have to realize that they have, the, they have the same freedom that God gave you. And it's still going to be a personal humbling and repentance on their part that they're going to have to make on their own. It will be 100% on their own. And I already hear in your voice that you are leading them in the right way that you are concerned uh, about their eternal salvation and the, the focus of their life. And and I, I would just say, I heard in your statement earlier, too, that—and uh, I know you don't mean it this way, but I'm going uh, to—you may mean it a little bit like this, and it's the only thing I want. it's the, I want them to know the Lord. It's the, the, the number one thing I want. And I would just say, let the number one thing you want is Jesus Christ in your walk with Him. Remember what Jesus said? This is the way of peace. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. As you seek him first, he's going to make you the mom. And he already has. I mean, you're right there. You're already there. You're already on the path. I'm not arguing with you about, hey, do devos with your kids, or don't you care about your kids? And No, you already have it all. So now it's learning how to abide in Christ, how to rest in him, how to follow his lead, and love and enjoy your kids they're going to grow up so fast and if you don't make love the primary focus you're not going to enjoy all that god has for you okay father i pray for my sister and many other parents listening in i pray god that you would help her as she loves her kids and just so concerned about raising them so concerned about making mistakes she just wants to be a good mom so make her that good mom Add to her the things that need to be added and remove the things that need to be removed. And even as I know she steps out in faith and gets this book, let it be a great blessing to her as she learns how to how to create an atmosphere of grace in her home, an atmosphere of grace where her kids will thrive in learning what it looks like to trust in you. And I pray for this move. There is this sense, uh, it's such a, a dramatic change. It's very very hard, very challenging. But I know, Lord, in if, if taking steps of faith, either to go or to stay, it's both a step of faith, Were easy, everybody be doing it, but it's not easy. And so for those that step out like Jackie and her husband, Lord, help them to discern your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you,
1: Pastor.
3: All right. Bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, I just think back um, in my own parenting, and I I have many, many regrets, no doubt about it. Um, But I also have many joys. Love my kids. I think they love me too. Love my wife. I think she loves me too. And, uh, you know, we got through it. And it's hard. But as we trust in the Lord, he taught me how to be a parent. Because we didn't really have the kind of model that we didn't have an i didn't grow up in a family that worshiped god like that or like i didn't have a model and i think every successive generation is a little better than the last seeking the lord like a little better and i think my my home is a little better than the home i grew up in and i would expect my kids uh, their home would be a little better and that's a good thing 3036903000 is the number a uh, great question here um Where did it go? There was a question here on yoga. Uh, What about yoga? And I don't know what happened to it. It just disappeared. Uh, I don't see it anymore. That is really weird. So uh, there was a question on yoga, and it's on the air. It's on the air. But she hung up. There's no line three anymore. So, oh, it's line one. All right, that's what... All right, here we go. Jackie in Miami. Are you with us? Okay. Who's on line one? Nobody. (laughs) All right, let's try Vicky in Pennsylvania. Vicky, welcome to the program. I got nothing. So hopefully... We didn't have a catastrophic failure here. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Do you want to just go back and make sure we're still on the air? And uh, don't know. Open lines. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. If you can hear me on the air right now, text me. Just say, I hear you, Ed. And call me back if you something happened with the phone lines. I see they're ringing. So man, who knows? It happens. You're driving along and your phone drops. Um, and I'd love to talk. So Jackie, if you're still listening in Miami, I'd love to hear it. Uh, Vicki, if you're still in Pennsylvania, I'd love to hear it. Uh, call me back. But all the lines are full again. So 303-690-3000. While we're sorting through the calls, we're going to be here tonight here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. We're studying through the book of Genesis verse by verse. And... We are in finishing up chapter 12 of Genesis, and I found something, or I discovered something that in 30 years I've never seen before, and I want to share it with you as a part of our Bible study tonight. It's very encouraging. Thank you guys texting in that you hear me. We're on the air. Don't know what happened. Maybe just two calls dropped at the same time. No problem. So thank you guys. Thank you for texting. Uh, everybody's hearing. Everybody's hearing. Thank you guys. Um, so uh, we're here tonight. I found something I'm not going to tell you on the air. Maybe tomorrow, if Lord willing, I'm on the air. I'll tell you tomorrow. But tonight we're in Genesis 12, and there's just some really cool thing. And I'm going to tie it in with the New Testament as well. Um, I mean, it's a great chapter. It's the faith chapter. It's, there's so much in it that I couldn't finish it. In one, I didn't want to finish it. I guess I could have just by glossing over stuff, but uh, I, I didn't want to finish it. So I split it at least into two weeks. So we're going to finish up chapter 12 tonight, and here's a text coming in. I hear you in Tucson. Well, hello, Tucson, about ready to get a double-double when the show's over. Well, I can't eat before service, so I'll eat my double-double through you. Bless you guys in Tucson. I love Tucson. I love visiting Tucson. I love the conference at Calvary Chapel Tucson. Pastor Robert and the whole team there, You Tucson's such a great city to visit, I love my time there just so much. I have so many great memories um, and so much been added to my life from Tucson. i grateful. So I'm glad you texted me and told me where you were because it just reminds me of what a blessing that city has been in my life. All right. Here's a great question here in Aurora. James, welcome to the program. Hey, James, Hi, you're Pastor on the air. It.
2: Hi, Pastor Ed. Um, Hi. So I did have a question, and my question goes around, um, is it that God chose us, or do we choose God? Both. Because I know it says that his children will hear his voice, and he calls his children. Um, So what I'm wondering is, does he choose us, or do we choose him?
3: Both. The answer is both. God chooses us, and we choose him. Right? Okay. It's very similar to this phone call. You know, who um, who chose to talk to each other? Well, you called, and we answered. You spoke, and I spoke back to you. That's how relationships okay. work. And God is the initiator. So I know there's a lot of debate on, on election and choice, and, and there's much to debate, and we can argue all day about it. Not you and me, but in general. Um, but it's very clear. God is the initiator. We're the responder, and we're both involved in relationship.
2: Okay, that's encouraging to hear, because how I was almost thinking about it is, um, of course, maybe there's some that God just um, doesn't call, or they're not going to be chosen by Him, and if that's the case, then are they kind of doomed, if you will?
3: Well, you you look at anyone that's doomed has made a conscious choice— not to repent of their sins. Nobody's going to be held accountable for something they didn't do. That's like uh, let, let me let me put it a different way. Just in the human realm, I mean, and what's true for humans, think of it so much more with God. Um, and and so let let me let me just say something and see what you think. James, I'm very mad at you, and I will never speak to you again because you did not send me a birthday card, and I don't like you anymore. And don't ever call the show anymore. Is that fair? Is that a right—would I be just and fair to say that to you?
2: I would um, I would kind of be in the middle about that, um, just because um, I don't really go by fair. Not, okay, sorry, so not what would you say? It,
3: but what, there's what, a lot of
2: unfair things that happen, of course, I believe in the what, Bible as well, too, but— um, I would believe that would just be your choice and how you felt, and of course it wouldn't make me the happiest. But I wouldn't want to take away from, of course, what so, you were feeling.
3: But that's kind of like the that's kind of what you just said. It's kind of like the world's way of thinking. Well, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and you can. But but I I think it's more absolute than that, James. I think your response would be Ed. What are you talking about? I don't even know your birthday. Why, why are you so mad at me for doing something I didn't even know it was your birthday? So there is a sense of justice that's built into you where your response would have to be something along the way, maybe in your own way, right, in your own personality, but there has to be some kind of response We would go, Ed, why are you upset for something I didn't even know? Don't you think you would feel that way?
2: I would most definitely feel that way, but voicing it and just...
3: um, You would probably say it differently.
2: Unfortunately, sometimes people are different and, um just to not go through the argument or the fight i would just of course uh, yeah i mean it would be what your decision
3: yeah and it would be in your own voice in your own personality but that somewhere deep inside there would be a sense of injustice and it's not perfect injustice like god and so god being so much more than you and me being perfect being righteous being holy I believe the Bible teaches his character would not hold us accountable for something we don't know, so that everyone that would face him for judgment would not be shocked and surprised. How could you judge me? You never gave me a chance. I mean, right from the Garden of Eden, God gives shows humanity that there is a chance and a real bona fide choice given to us, whether to follow him or not. And it's gotten lost in our theological gyrations and explanations and interpretations. But the character of God is very clear. You want to worship me? You can. This is the pathway. You don't want to worship me? You can. And these are the choices. And I will hold you accountable for those choices, God says.
2: Definitely, thank you for all that information, Pastor Ed. Thanks for um, calling, James. I have an additional question, if that's okay. Uh, I was wondering when the next time um, your church is doing baptisms.
3: That's a great question. We just finished a big baptism at the Reservoir, so we probably won't do another one until early next year.
2: Okay, yeah, I've been looking forward to going. I was trying to go to your church, and it's been about a year now, and, and so much has been happening. Uh, um But yeah, I do look forward to hearing when you're into another one, and hopefully coming out and doing a baptism. Um, I almost want to ask you your thoughts on, do you believe, when you do get baptized, if um, if how the Lord kind of perceives that, if you, not that He kind of gives you more blessings or anything, but do you think it, it, it's a big spiritual, uh, help you spiritually? It's approach? huge,
3: absolutely. not. It, it's huge, because it is a work of righteousness, so it is a response— of obedience to God out of love, and God always blesses obedience. Yes.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you again, Pastor
3: Ed, for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, hey, hey, I got it. Wait, wait, hey, James, James, don't hang up. My assistant Uh just texted me and said our next baptism is November 16th. So I did not speak correctly. We've got another one this year, November 16th.
2: Awesome. That's very encouraging to hear. I'm hoping to definitely be a part of that one. Well, come uh, back to church before
3: that. Why, why don't you come and worship when there's... Come back to church. Or go back yeah, to church.
2: Yeah, definitely got to make it in on in got the to. Sundays.
3: Do it. That's, that's, the, that's more important. Get back into regular fellowship so you can be encouraged and strengthened along the way. All right, we're coming to the end of the show, yeah. buddy. God bless you, brother.
2: Thank you, Pastor Ed. and praying for your congregation. Thank you again for your Thank time. you.
3: Bye-bye. Hey, we're coming to the end of the show today. Thanks, you guys, for calling. A couple of little blips here and there. Could have been user error. It could have been me, but I, you know, looking at the calls dropping, i like, what happened? What happened? Hey, come to church tonight, 7 p.m. Hey, James, I should have told you, come to church tonight. We're going to be gathering in two hours, studying the book of Genesis. Here, CalvaryCO.church. For the radio station, gracefm.com, Lord willing, we'll be here tomorrow live from the studios of Grace FM. Have a great night in Jesus.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.